Hello, hello everyone. This is your host, Akil Jabbar. And welcome back to another episode of SaaS District. In today's episode, we'll be talking about how to go from zero to $30 million in ARR and 3x your sales performance using AI. Today, we have our guest, Ryan Staley, joining us. Ryan is the founder and CEO at Whaleboss, a cutting-edge consultancy designed around providing fast results versus billable hours. Ryan helps CEOs or revenue leaders implement a seven- to eight-figure sales system in three months based on the principles that grew a business unit from the zero to $30 million in ARR with only four salespeople and without any lead generation. So welcome, Ryan. Super excited to have you on the show today. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Gil. Pleasure. Looking forward to it, man. Anything I can do to help some founders, marketers, or folks in sales, I love it. So looking forward to it. Love it. Love it. So I'd love to hear um, a success story. I mean, let's start with that. I mean, you, you, we, you have your own tech company. Uh, you've helped achieve a growth trajectory from, you know, we talked about zero to $30 million, with only four sales rep in a span of five, five and a half years. So I'd love to hear how did that happen? Yeah, no problem. It was it was interesting because it was born out of a failure, a failure of leadership actually on my end. So this is when I was at a previous organization and we sold managed services effectively. <clears throat> what happened was I was, this was, I don't know, I was in my first leadership job for probably about four and a half years. And what happened was it was the first time I worked for a CEO and a founder who was really, really demanding in terms of what his expectations were. And it was very old school in that, that nature. Some really good things happened when I worked there. It was, however, it was one of those situations where like, I felt like I was getting pressed so hard from an executive level or the CEO level. And then I was getting pressed by my team or pushed back on my team based Mm -hmm. on the expectations of what we're supposed to hit. So, you know, when it comes down to it, we got the results we needed However, I was probably a miserable person to work for at that time. <laughs> um, I was working, you know, 78 hours a week and didn't have any element of life balance at all. I was in the process of missing my kids growing up because they were very young. And so I was always working and that just made me unhappy, you know? And so mm. what what revolt, or I should say, like kind of progressed from there is eventually they're just like, hey, like we're going to make a change. Like, you need like, we're going to move your team to someone else. So you, we want you to create this new division because you're really good at, at larger deals and, and bigger deals. And so we, we think that you can create a new division or department out of this. However, you got to work on some stuff. And so basically I, I reinvented myself like from the inside out, worked on just re-engineering how I handled that level of stress, how I could have a more functional life while really being highly successful at work and then effectively built the go-to-market, the playbook, the team from the ground up and then created those results that, that went from zero to 30 million. And, and the thing about it that was interesting was like, we didn't have any SDRs, we didn't have any marketing and we were in a, a like a red ocean market. So it's highly competitive and looked at it as a commodity. Mm-hmm. So there's some really unique things that we did to make that happen. And uh, it, was an, it was a very exciting journey because it opened up a lot of, opportunities for me afterward to help other companies apply the same principles in their business. And that's been the core focus for the last two and a half years until I, I jumped on the AI train. And uh, that's what I've been really focused on over the last year as well. So Interesting. So I'd love to hear more about the AI train. Uh, we'll, we'll get to that. But I'd like to go deeper on the part where you mentioned, you know, you're at that point where you know, you, you've, you've done a complete kind of pivot there where things are working, but not how you want it. Maybe it works for the organization. 
but now you decide to do things a little bit, things a bit differently. You change kind of your, your strategy. Um, can you share exactly what, what that was, what that looked like? Um, and is it, is it still relevant, you know, today and can somebody replicate it, you know, going into say next year, 2024? Yeah. So I think like the, the first, let's talk about the first, like mm-hmm. redeveloping myself from the inside out. So it mm-hmm. was, I actually, I had a, a fortune 500 CEO was, which was a, a client of ours back then. And I, I was highly involved with opportunities that my team was working. And, and one of the things he mentioned to me, we were out to dinner and he's like, Hey, he's like, you know, and I never heard of personal development. I wasn't a personal development guy. He's like, Hey, there's this guy, Tony Robbins, that's coming in town. You should check out his event. I was like, who's Tony? I'm like, I knew who Tony Robbins was from like shallow hell, but I never really like understood the depth of what he did because everybody mm-hmm. looks at him like, if you don't know, like a motivational speaker, but what he really did is, so he had an event that was coming up in Chicago. So I went to the event and one of the things at that event that they did is they basically had you rate on a scale of one to 10, uh, like basically there's like a circle, right? So imagine a circle and there was probably, I think it was about eight, seven or eight different sections with different parts of your life. And so there was your, your health, your wealth, your career, your relationships, um, your fun, you know, so there's all these different kinds of areas effectively. And what they had you do is rate on a scale of one to 10, what they were, and then shade in those areas. So, you know, from the inside coming out. So, if you looked at these pie pieces really are supposed to develop a wheel, right? So that there's that full life kind of balance. And, and mine was like all jagged, you know, I think like the highest area I had was like a six or a seven. And that was on worker career. And then other stuff were at like anywhere from like a two to a four. So what that really gave me the insight is like, I really need to, to like work on things outside of work and by doing that and like making time for myself and my kids and everything else in in my life what that started to do is open open me up creatively and emotionally and so i became a much better leader not just for myself or but for others and for clients that i interacted with so that was step 1 so then from there after i did the emotional work that i needed to to reconstruct myself from the ground up i did the second part and that was like okay i'm like all right, what's our go-to-market strategy? They're like, well, you you have to figure that out. I'm like, okay, what are our playbooks? They're like, hey, you got to figure that out, right? I'm like, well, what's my my team? Who's going to do this? They're like, well, you could have, you know, a, a portion of people's time, but you don't have anybody to start. You could hire one person, right? So like, mm-hmm. as you can tell, I didn't have really a lot going for me in terms of an infrastructure. So I'm like, all right, how do I make this happen? And so one of the things that was really critical that anybody could instantly apply and there's there's four C's that I applied. I'll talk, or I should say, there's four C's that now would apply. I'll walk through the two that I used. Um, but like, if we look at it, there was really two that we really, really narrowed in. And I'll, I'll get into those in a second. But what effectively I did is I looked at, okay, company-wide, not just the, the office that we we're in, that we grew to be one of the top performing offices, but company-wide, you know, what were the top 10 customers that we had? Right. And I looked mm. at what were the top 10 in terms of deal size? What were the top 10 in terms of speed to close? And then what were the biggest losses that we had as well in those those two buckets? And so mm. what what it really did is it narrowed in, like, because you know, I'm a big fan of Pareto's principle. So what it did mm. is it it really narrowed into focus, like who were who we were having asymmetrical success with versus others. Cause like, for example, there was like a 
you know, um, a couple of verticals we were working in and we focused heavily on legal and the average deal size for legal would be, you know, $20,000 or 25. So that was our big focus. However, I'm like, Hey, we got some outliers here in retail where we got a hundred thousand dollar deal and it closed in 75% of the amount of time. I'm like, what do you think would happen if we focused the core effort of what we were doing into that retail vertical that was really not a focus at all? And we did that. And then what happened was our deal size started to double every year. And then from there, um, we also 100x our largest deal size as well. So so that was something wow. that anybody could do instantly. And the two things we focused on were community and customer with that. And I can go a little bit deeper, but I'll, I'll pause because I know I've been I've been chatting for a little while. No, that's awesome. So you you really focused in on the, you know, so you have all these wide range of customers you've been working with, but you just really focused in on like, what are the easier um, or higher value clients that you decide to focus all your energy on and, and try to replicate the success and you're able to narrow down. I mean, it sounds easy. You said you can, anybody can do this, but realistically to, to shift all the focus of your whole team over in one direction and, and making sure you're right and having data to support that, I guess, is the is the work before you can do that. But yeah, I would love to hear more, you know, from there at that step, uh, you, you know, um, how did you know, you make that decision to focus on these. And then if you want to chat more a little bit on what the community and, and customer yeah. side, that'd be maybe really helpful. Yeah. So I, and here to put a bow on that, effectively think yeah. of it this way, like the most, most companies and most founders and CEOs and, and marketers and even revenue leaders look at like their ideal customer profile, right? I'm sure you hear ICP all the time, right? I look at it as like, your perfect customer profile. So like if you, instead of having your overall ideal customer profile, look at what the top 20% of your client base is and create a separate perfect customer profile for them. Right. And then that'll get you started. And that's like a really easy way that anybody can implement it or frame it. And then if we're looking at like tactical execution, what that'll do is that will bring you into focus of like, a couple of things, right? Community and customer. And so what I mean by that is community is, so like, let's say, let's take that retail example that I mentioned. So mm-hmm. we were targeting and the folks we would typically work with were like CIOs or CFOs. So chief information officers, chief financial officers, right? Those were the mm-hmm. Nirvana or the top people we want because they had budget control, but they also had the strategic vision for adopting a managed service. And so what we would do is like, we found that, okay, there are specific CFO groups within retail and there are specific CIO groups in retail, right? And so mm-hmm. what we did is we aligned ourselves closely with those those like subgroups instead of just you know going to a retail conference, we looked at those subgroups. And then what we did is we would find the people who were board members of those, those subcommittees or subgroups, get mm-hmm. them as clients, and then that would replicate across their peers because in order to get elected at the board level of something like that, you have to have a tremendous amount of respect and savviness and network to do that. And so it was a great lead domino. So that's how we leverage it on the community side. So, yeah, so that's the community side. And then on the customer side, a little bit different, um, you know, and and this goes back to a book that was written in the, I think it was the 80s, late 80s or early 90s. Uh, Chet Holmes calls it the Dream 100. And so... Mm-hmm. You know, he did a whole experiment where effectively this is when he was in, I think it was magazine advertising is effectively what it was. And what he did is he found that there was close to, I don't know, 100 accounts that did 90% of 
paid for 98% of the advertising spend. And so they explicitly targeted them relentlessly. And so that's what I mentioned, like on the customer side of like having that relentless focus. So we have the communities, then we have the customer. And if I were to do it today, like, and I am starting to do this for my business today, I would also leverage that on the content side. And that could be on social or that could be in private um, chat, you know, like chat rooms or private communities or like online communities, if you will. And then mm-hmm. also customers, like who are their customers, customers that we could possibly affect and get to. So those are like the four C's, content, community, customer, and then the customers, customers, and always look at, you know, what's the, if, if Pareto, Pareto's principle had a baby with, you know, um, asymmetrical advantage, that's, that's kind of like how mm-hmm. we would approach it. Love it. So, so now you're, you know we're talking about focus. You're focused on on the the bigger the big whales, and now you have some kind of process using the, you know the four C's to to really drive growth. And um, you're talking about AI. You know, is is it a possibility because you're for your sales team? Um, but is there have you seen it work with you know within the community or or customers as well? Yeah, I mean, we effectively implement AI in everything we do at my company. So, mm-hmm. like, I, I believe cool. we're an AI first company, and I don't mean that as a buzzword. I just mean yeah. that. I don't want to say everything is AIable, <laughs> if you will, but yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Kind of the way I look at it is like, and and this is what tipped me off to it, Akil, is like I I effectively like when ChatGPT just came out, I was one of the early adopters. And I'm like, all right, let me test this on something I know to be true. Right. Like mm. through like a decade of experience of of 10,000 hours of, of customer meetings. Let me ask it some questions of something that took me that long to learn and understand and see what it comes back with, right? Mm -hmm. So I did that. And the question that I asked it was like, or to the extent, was like, okay, identify all the KPIs that a CIO at this size company and this vertical has uh, and that they're evaluated on and, and really identify what they're focused on. And it gave me a really good answer the first time. You know, like literally the first time I asked the question and leveraged ChatGPT, it gave me an answer. It was like 90, 95% of the way there. So I was like, holy shit. I'm like, this is scary and exciting at the same time. And so ever since then, I'm like, I could ignore this and get ran over by it. Like like mm. a, a freight truck, you know, or like a freight train, right? Yeah. Or yeah. I could run towards this and try and help people enable them so that they could have the same experience I did and become superhuman with what they're doing and where they're going. And, and that's really what I want to do. And that's that's kind of my mission uh, to really help people become superhuman, to open up those other areas of their life so they don't have to be stuck in the, the soul-sucking areas. They could shave out 10 to 20 hours a week while also just like creating results that they've never been able to create before. That's amazing. I mean, you, you make it seem like you know, we're an AI-first company, but you know, um, surprisingly, most companies still don't, are not AI-first. I mean, they're adopting it, they're using it, they're playing with it, but you know, not you know the whole process or whole business units aren't you know fully embedded in using it. But I definitely agree that uh, you know efficiency and performance would, would increase if we were to able to implement this successfully. Um, but I'd love to hear you know what did that you know we talked about improving top performers by three x using AI. What did, what does that look like, and what was kind of the the outcomes or results of that? Yeah. So have you have you seen the study from Harvard and BCG Consulting? Have you ever seen that study at all? Um, I'm not sure which one specifically, but I don't, I don't. Okay. Yeah. So they did a study, they did like the largest 
behavior-based study when it comes to this. Amazon literally just released one yesterday and I have not had a chance to fully read it. I've started to look at it, but let's mm -hmm. talk about the one that Harvard did in conjunction with BCG. So effectively what they did is they, they did this test of 800 consultants and to be a BCG yeah. consultant, that's not like an easy job to get, right? Like you yeah. most of the time have to have your master's, you know, to, mm -hmm. to make that happen. I think, you know, the minimum entry level is like 125K. So you got to be really sharp to work there. Mm -hmm. And so what they did is they tested it across 800 different consultants, 400 they gave ChatGPT to, and 400 they did not let them use that, right? And they had to do mm -hmm. like an example project. So they're both doing the exact same tasks over a period of time mm -hmm. and everything from strategic thinking to tasks to build outs to all that stuff, right? Mm -hmm. So the results of the, the study were staggering because what they found out was that, and by the way, the the, the 400 they did get to use it had zero training on it. They're just like, here okay. you go, let's use this. Okay, so yeah. remember yeah. that because that's important. And so- So they're just given access, they're allowed to use it, right? Yeah, they were just, they were saying, yeah. hey, you get to use ChatGPT to help you out. And mm -hmm. and so then, you know, like, <clears throat> that's kind of how, how we look at it, right? So like, you get to use ChatGPT mm -hmm. to help you out, you do not. There's no extra training. You just have to kind of like self-learn, right? And Got so they did. Yeah. And what happened was they looked at the results and and granted, there's some areas or, or functions or things that AI doesn't do perfectly, but there's a lot that it does do really, really well, right? And so yeah. when you look at the side-by-side -side results, the folks that did use it, the 400 that did had uh, three areas. They measured quality, quantity, and I'm sorry, quality, speed, and quantity. So like, what do you think the uptick in quality was? Like if you had a guess, um, percentage-wise. 30, uh, 30 to 50%? Yeah, so you're dead on. It was like a 40% improvement. Oh, really? I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, so you're like right there, dude. So then then what do, you, what do you think it would be if you had to look at it from the perspective of like speed? Like, you know, what percentage do you think they would do it faster in? Um, I'm only using my own experience, by the way. So this is the number, uh, at least 100, 200. Yeah. So they had, they said they could do yeah. in 75% of the time. So basically three quarters okay. of the time. Wow. <laughs> okay. And then when you look at the last one, which is quantity, they could do 12% more, which like, I don't know. I don't know about you, but there's stuff that I've figured out how to do eight hours of work in 20 minutes. So I think that was yeah. a really, really conservative estimate, but maybe that's just yeah. beginner stats, right? For so sure. so if we're looking yeah. at like how to leverage it, like that's so many companies over the past 12 months have been killing themselves trying to integrate this into their product, but they forgot yeah. to integrate this into their people. Right. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> and people yeah. are one of your largest balance sheet expenses for organizations. And so that's where I see a unique opportunity to, to transform you know, not just the worker experience, but the revenue outputs. And so like your question to begin with was like, how do you do this, Ryan? Or like, how do you look at it? I think it's re it's a requirement because this isn't like a straight line linear approach where every single organization has the same exact workflows internally. Um, however, I think, you know, what I call a prompt matrix is critical for an yeah. organization. So how to have like an AI innovation hub internally that builds and innovates on itself to create a self-scaling organization. And so that's what I think is the key right now. And what's going to happen is that's going to continue to transform because like, as you've seen, OpenAI just released GPTs, which are basically like 
assistance, if you will, that you have the ability to build, exactly. which are okay, right, in their current mm -hmm. state. But then what's mm -hmm. going to happen is the next phase of this is going to be agents, right? And so those exactly. are autonomous AIs where you don't have to instruct it step by step. So mm -hmm. the source code for that is going to be the prompts. So if you build that prompt library now, you're going to have the foundation you need once you have agents, and then you can create organizational agents around completing tasks at scale for you, which is going to create exponential asymmetrical advantages for companies as they, you know, kind of move forward. So. So you mentioned, uh, you know, having some kind of internal innovation department, you know, helping create these prompts versus, you know, and then there's the term of adoptability. Um, do, do you believe this now becomes a, you know, almost a requirement as much as, you know, using email or an Excel uh, skill, having that as, you know, part of the entire organization? Are they teaching everybody from scratch or part of the onboarding of every new hire? How do you see this kind of ease, you know, uh, getting more adopted by, by teams and, and companies across board? Yeah, I, I like exactly what you're saying in terms of the onboarding, right? Like, I think, I think that's critical. And the good thing is, you could use it not only at onboarding, but for onboarding, right? It'll help you with yeah, the yeah. onboarding to create that customized experience. So, so that's an example of like how you can kind of approach it and, and how you can kind of deal with it as well. Yeah. So, I, I think it should be a requirement, but it's got to start from the top, right? Because people are going to yeah. use it. Um, step by step, but the speed in which you want to innovate is going to be driven from the top. And I think like, it's not your job as a leader to force feed it, um, but mm -hmm. still, it's your job as a leader to um, basically, when I say force feed, I mean, don't say like, you know, these are the only prompts you could use or, or whatever. More of the idea is show them what's possible, um, mm -hmm. give an ability to track and identify the most successful AI workflows that are created and then continue to innovate on top of those organizationally. And then that's when you don't just have the output of your team going, you know, 2X, 3X, right? But at the mm -hmm. same time, you have an organization that innovates on top of itself, which, mm -hmm. I mean, previously was limited to mostly really only senior leadership and IT that we're talking about because like there's so many barriers that are now gone um, but those that previously that that were kind of stuck to those departments in terms of levels of innovation that this is going to enable. So, um, mm. so, yeah, so that's kind of the way I look at it, man. If, uh, you know, so you work, you, you know, you have your own consultancy, you work with sales team. And if I'm a CEO, uh, you know, you've given maybe access, you know, my, my team is able to use AI, but maybe they're not trained on it. They don't have a well-oiled you know, system right now in process of using it. Or even there is a customer engagement team, customer success team. They want to start implementing this. I'm assuming, you know, you help them uh, build these out and, and use AI. What, what uh, maybe step-by-step -step or what kind of strategies you would give them to start, you know, start using it more effectively, uh, use sales or customer success, whichever one. Yeah, no problem. I think like, here's, here's where I see it. And when I say like AI is such a broad term, I didn't really specify what I meant by it. And I'll tell you what I meant. So, yeah. Okay. So effectively what I'm thinking about is like, when we're looking at this is, mm -hmm. I'm looking at more from like the large language models um, yeah. or, you know, the other tools. It could even be like that start, the lines are starting to blur because ChatGPT is multimodal, which means mm. it could like, exactly. you could see pictures, right? It, it could, it mm. could do voice. So what I'm recommending is you have like a model agnostic approach so that mm. basically you could leverage this across ChatGPT, you could leverage it across like an, an open source model, like Hugging Face, 
Bard or a Claude, right? So you have the flexibility because all these models have different strengths and weaknesses. And so I think it's good to have that capability, right? And so what I'm, what I'm talking about is creating a prompt matrix so that you could leverage it across those different models and then kind of work to the top from there. So mm-hmm. that's what I mean by like leveraging AI in terms of tactically implementing it. Like I, I think there are really simple steps you could take. So um, if you're a leader, which I know there's a lot of leaders or executives that are listening, like the way I would kind of approach it is like, first of all, it's got to start with you. So you have to understand what's possible. And I, I don't mean from a product side, I mean, from like a jobs to be done perspective, like how can you leverage it with with what people are doing and there's different resources for that so like i published so much content on this because i i've just been blown away with the results so like on linkedin i have my own podcast called the scale up show i have a sales ai accelerator where i show people so like those are all options where you could just learn very simply and it doesn't have to be me it could be any you know other people that are looking at this from a business perspective so understand what's possible that's step one mm-hmm. step two is take you know, start to default and take 15 minutes a day when instead of using Google, when you're about to look up something, you know, default to ChatGPT. You don't even need the paid version. You use the freed version, right? So default mm-hmm. to that. Start asking it questions instead of Google. The beautiful thing is you don't have to fight through all the crap and advertisements uh, that's in there. And, you know, it's, you'll be surprised what the results are. So just start leveraging that. So that's step two. Um, so then once you understand that, I would show your team what's possible and, you know, a use case that you found to be highly valuable for, for what you do. Right. And then here's what, here's where this starts to get exciting. Then what you do is you say, Hey, it's a, it's a, it's your job. It doesn't matter what department it is or what organization to spend, you know, two hours over the next week, right? Let's say you're doing a departmental meeting two hours over the next week, trying to leverage this for your job. What I want you to do then on our meeting next week, our team meeting next week, is you're going to present, you know, what are the top one or say two to three use cases that you found? And you're going to share the results and what you did, right? So you have everybody mm-hmm. present. And then what you do is you vote on, you know, what are the best use cases, all right? Mm-hmm. Then you have a central area where you store those. All you have to do is keep doing that repeatedly. Then every, you know, week or two weeks, doesn't have to be even every week. It'd be every bi-weekly or... Um, you know, whatever you want in terms of frequency, what's going to happen is your team's going to start to innovate on itself and build that library by itself organically. Mm-hmm. And people mm-hmm. are going to be much happier with their job because they're not doing soul-sucking tasks. And they're also going to get a lot more done. So it's it just becomes a virtuous cycle. So that's like how I would implement it very simply in, in um, you know, simple steps. I mean, at the same time, like part of what I do when I help companies is like I give them a prompt library. So I give them all the prompts that are like very dialed in. Mm. So they have like a sprinting start. But what I mm-hmm. mentioned to you is something that you could do on your own as well. So. Nice. So, so can you share any maybe results? So you work with companies, you help them, you know, uh, start implementing AI and start using it, become more efficient, more, more effective. Um, you know, I think you, you mentioned something about referral led growth as part of their, their, their system. Um, can you share what that, that looked like in, in terms of sales? Yeah. So like if we're talking about folks that I've worked with, like there's, I've worked with a lot of founders and CEOs or CROs. And and it's interesting, this whole AI path is getting a lot of different inquiries are coming in for me to help people with different areas in this because it's so new. But like examples of outcomes I've created, like, um, you know, just like you, I have a podcast. 
a woman was having a top of funnel problem. So I helped her create a podcast and a, you know, a whole content machine around her show. And she got on top of it too. I think it was a million dollars in pipeline before she even launched her show. And she's like a SaaS founder, right? So um, that hit on two angles. It created a content machine, but at the same time, continuous pipeline of her top 20% prospects. Uh, Referral-led growth is another area where it's like, you know, most companies will systemize their sales process, but they don't systemize the most fruitful lead source, which is customer to prospect referrals. I help companies systemize and implement that. Uh, Mm -hmm. I had a person do that. He got a three-quarters of a million-dollar deal. a SaaS company did within two months of implementing it. So there's examples wow. like that. And then, you know, what I'm most passionate about right now is like the, a, you know, integrating AI into what what organizations are doing and, and really help them proliferate that so they can operate at a superhuman level. So those are like kind of three yeah. examples, if that makes sense. Yeah, two. those are three huge examples yeah, if, they're, if they're done right. So love it. Um, Ryan, we'd love to, to kind of shift gears here. We're coming to kind of the end of the, the episode, uh, kind of go towards the rapid fire questions. Ready for those? Yeah, I'm ready to go, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. What's, uh, what's one activity you enjoy outside of work that gets you into a flow state? Yeah, I, I, this is, I mean, this is a good question. There's, if, if it's one activity, I would say <laughs> the thing that evens me out, and I don't know if I'm in flow state when I'm doing it. But it sets my day up right, just mentally and physically. Is like I do hit workouts usually at like six in yeah. the morning. So um, nice. that that helps me uh, do that. I, I would say. I also am a big proponent of like journaling and meditating. So, like yeah. the whole stack, I think, is really helpful for your mental well being, and then also just processing like what's happening in your life and your experience of life. Love it. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think when you're in it, you don't usually know you're into it until after, right? Once you get out of it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What's, uh, you know, lots of knowledge, lots of experience. Um, you know, if you can go back and talk to your, say, 25 or 30-year-old self, what's one one piece of advice you wish you had known and, and tell yourself? Yeah, I would I would say, and I would, I would even go back, which is my 21-year-old self, or what? What? how old am I at this time? Yeah, I'd say 20, 20, 25, yeah. That's giving giving my, my advice to young Ryan back in the day. Yeah. I mean, I'd, I'd even <laughs> go back earlier and I would just, I'd be like, don't worry about messing up or making a mistake. Like I used to be so mm. worried about making a mistake and there's things that really, really helped me um, through that. But even you know, like early on dating to mm. um, just like work versus trying a new job versus, you know, starting a company, like, I would be in an exponentially different place if I just did ran at it. And um, so I, I think that's something that's huge because, and I see that with people today that are stuck in a job they hate because they're afraid to make the jump and try something different. And like, I did that in the middle mm. of COVID, um, mm. like the peak of COVID, which is like, oh, wow. and I had nothing set up. So it was like the worst potential stressful time in the freakiest environments. And like yeah. it worked out, you know, so it's like, I, I think you can make things happen. And a lot of people don't give them self the credit or yeah. um, of, of what they're capable of, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. You came out of it and you're doing better than, awesome than ever. So that's awesome. That's awesome advice. Uh, what, what are some of the biggest challenges you're currently facing, you know, right now in order to continue, you know, to grow your consultancy, whale boss, or you know, what keeps you up at night these days, if, if, if anything? 
Yeah, I would say indigestion. <laughs> um, okay, okay. Yeah. Not like <laughs> physical indigestion, but like yeah. I, I'm so excited about what's possible and all the opportunities. Like the biggest thing, just like I did when I went through the go to market and went through that focusing exercise, like I have to constantly pull myself back and do that for my own business because you know, I used to I used to just be responsible for revenue and sales, and now I got to be responsible for product and sales and um, you know financials and everything as a CEO. And so it's really truly applying Pareto's principle to everything I do, so that you know I I don't fall into the trap of pursuing everything but not pursuing anything. You know what I mean? So, exactly. so that's yeah. that's yeah. what I say is the biggest challenge right now, especially. With this environment where we've gone through eight years of innovation in like four months, it's, it's been wild. So, yeah, yeah, a lot of good opportunities. You have to still prioritize and choose the best, right? Exactly. Yeah. 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 What does uh, success mean to you today? Whether that's, you know, personally, business, financially, life, it's not right. Yeah. I think, and this is something like high achievers or people that want to do yeah. big things struggle with, right? So, yeah. like, I've read, and this might go into one of your other questions, but like I've read the book. I don't know. It's, I'm probably on the third time reading it. The Gap and the Gain. Mm-hmm. Have you heard of that book at all? I haven't. From yep. Ben Hardy and Dan Sullivan. Really great book, man. Yeah. It's like, it's the guide for high achievers happiness, right? And it's specifically okay. built for entrepreneurs. And so, and, that, and I'm mentioning this because like, I'm sure there's so many people listening that that would benefit from this book. Uh, it's one of those things where like they have you measure backwards instead of always measuring towards your ideal, which is what high performers typically do. And so mm-hmm. I think like what success for me is like when I apply those principles to all parts of my life and have a good balance of like being happy and gratitude, but still being hungry at the same time. So, yeah. mm. so you're just, you know, con- the idea is to look back versus looking around you kind of what we're seeing. Yeah, it's really what it is like to to give you like a 10 second masterclass on it. It's yeah, yeah. it's measuring what you the progress that you've done um to show you that you could keep making progress versus looking at where you want to go and realizing how much more you have to do. So it's just a frame shift mm. in terms of your your energy yeah. and focus and and attention. So what was it the the what in the game? The gap in the game. Yeah, the gap in the game. Awesome. Yeah. Okay, awesome. Well, that those that link to the show notes, you know. So so add into that, yeah. The next question is, you know, what would you say are maybe say the top two or three um anything you recommend, whether the books, they can be people in the space, uh, mentors, who you say have been most instrumental to your success over these these last few years? Yeah, I think um, you know, like it's really interesting. So I've um I think that book is is critical. Like that's something that I would highly recommend. Um, and I think that's a good balance because I'm like one of those big hardcore nonfiction people, you know, where I'm mm-hmm. like, I, I like to learn and grow continuously. So like I could get too much into the business world and like learning versus sometimes relaxing. So I think um, mm-hmm. that book is really good uh, in terms of other things like, uh, I've leveraged is might sound weird or creepy. Um, you know, my, well, this isn't creepy at all. I was going to say that the chat GPT, I do leverage chat GPT for some mentoring because I can mm-hmm. call up anybody that I want and get their perspective. 
I can create like my own personal boards. I've done that, which is pretty cool. Like my own personal board of advisors from some of the best business leaders in the world. So I've done that before. Um, But then I would just say like, you know, my family and, and, you know, when I made my family, I made my wife, my kids, um, you know, my parents and, and, and my friends, like, They've been awesome. You know, like whenever you're a CEO or you're a founder and you're trying to do something hard, it doesn't matter what your mental toughness is. You go through some shit. And and so like, yeah. it's tough. And, you know, we've went through probably the over the last three years, the biggest changes in mankind with COVID and then with this whole AI revolution. So like, you know, yeah. the, the amount of uncertainty you have in this world is like, increasing exponentially and so it's always good to have people that you love that you can count on um during those yeah. times completely agree that's that's fantastic love it thanks man. yeah this has been this has been great ryan love love all the advice like everything you've shared here um your founders anybody listening in where's the best place to get in t- touch with you or learn more about you and uh your company Whale boss yeah what i would say is like i mean if you want to learn more about my company uh, ryanstaley.io is my website. So just my name.io. Um, my email address, if you're a founder and you need help, it's ryan at whalesellingsystem.com. That's ryan at whalesellingsystem.com. And if you like podcasts like this one, my podcast is called The Scale Up Show. Um, so that's audible content. And then, you know, if you like the visual stuff, I, I share a lot on LinkedIn as well with AI content and things like that as well. So those are the areas. Website, you know, reach out to me via email if you'd like to listen, podcast, written, LinkedIn. You know, that's what I would recommend. Love it. Love it. Thank you. Add email, website, and uh, LinkedIn profile, and as well as your podcast on the show notes. So thank you. Thank you so much again. It's been, it's been fantastic. I appreciate it, man. Yeah, no problem. This is a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Thanks. Thank you all for watching this episode and joining SAS District today. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and hit the bell for future episodes where we interview top leaders in the SaaS industry. If you're a SaaS company looking to grow and unlock the true value of your business, get in touch with us at Horizon Capital and myself or one of our consultants will provide a free assessment to help you get there and hit your goals. If you have any feedback or suggestions for this podcast, please comment down below and help us improve our content for you all. Thanks again and see you on the next one.